Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Friends, I'm here with Professor Amy Jill Levine and Professor Mark Brettler. Amy Jill Levine is University Professor of New Testament and Jewish Studies and Mary Jane Worthen Professor of Jewish Studies at Vanderbilt Divinity School and Department of Jewish Studies. She has lectured and published widely on the historical Jesus, the Gospels, Second Temple Judaism, and Jewish-Christian relations. Mark Brettler is the Bernice and Morton Lerner Distinguished Professor of Jewish Studies in the Department of Religious Studies at Duke University. He's lectured and published widely on biblical metaphors, the Bible as history, gender in the Bible, book of Psalms, and the connections between the Tanakh and the New Testament. Thank you both for taking time to talk today. Thank you for talking. It's wonderful to be with you. So I'm um, uh, thrilled to receive and be able to, to study from the Bible with and without Jesus, how Jews and Christians read the same stories differently, which you co-authored. And um, our topic today will be on this book, which we recommend uh, to folks to pick up. And uh, maybe we can start with you, Professor Brettler. Your, your previous work was the Jewish annotated New Testament, I mean, together. What pushed you to write this new book? And did you discover anything new during the writings that challenged your views of Christian Jewish biblical readings? Sure, that's a great question. And you really are recognizing that this book is an outgrowth of the Jewish annotated New Testament. So it's different in a number of ways. The Jewish annotated New Testament, uh, AJ and I edited together, we didn't write together. And as we worked on it together, we really enjoyed working together. We wanted to do another project together. And we felt that the form of the Jewish annotated New Testament, which really is a complete text of the New Testament with different annotations or glosses by other people was very, very restrictive and you had to follow the canonical order. And we felt that there were lots of issues that we had a lot that we, rather than the people who wrote for us and with us, we had a lot more to say about. So we picked up on 10 of those issues in this particular book, and we wrote on them together in a more elaborate fashion. I think I could add to that a little bit. Um, it, Mark and I also have extensive classroom experience, and at least for me, teaching, teaching New Testament primarily to people who want to be Christian ministers, um, they look at a text and go, gosh, love of God and love of neighbor, what an original thought. And I, you know, no, actually, <laughs> Jesus is borrowing from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. So it turned out that even my Christian students did not realize the extent to which the shared scriptures get, get cited in the New Testament. They did not understand the original context of those texts. And in a number of cases where the New Testament says, this, Jesus did this to fulfill what was said by the prophet, something, something, something. They had no clue that Jews had our own interpretation of those texts. And more, when I shared those interpretations with my students, they said, oh, you mean the text still has meaning? And I said, absolutely. Just because something says Jesus fulfilled it doesn't mean you check it off and put it up on a shelf. 
all those texts have to have ongoing meaning. Let's have a conversation between Jews and Christians. So the Jews will give you 10 different interpretations of a text, and you can come in with the New Testament reading, and we'll see how, how deep and profound these texts actually are. Fascinating, fascinating. What primarily would you say uh, Jews tend to misunderstand most about Jesus in the Bible? <laughs> There's also the question about what Christians tend to misunderstand most. I mean, the, part of the problem is that Jews haven't read the New Testament. Um, when I was a kid and I started to study this, I had this aunt who said to me, why are you studying this, this hateful, anti-Semitic, toxic book? And I said, have you ever read it? She said, no, why would I read that hateful book? You know, like, ignorance never helped anybody. Um, <laughs> Jews don't understand that this is part of Jewish history. So we're very, very good up to the Maccabees, and whoop, like magic, we're over in the Mishnah. This is Jewish history. Jesus was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. They're pretty much all Jews, except for, well, you know, like Pontius Pilate. So how do we fill in the gaps? Uh, Paul is the only Pharisee from whom we have written records. So how do we understand Pharisees in antiquity? How do we understand where certain anti-Jewish tropes had, uh, had the, their, their beginnings? The text did not have to go in an anti-Jewish way, but interpreters took it that way. And it helps to know where the problems can be located so that Jews can come in and provide some sort of correction when we hear somebody citing the New Testament to the detriment of Jews and Judaism. And I would just add that there are good reasons why for many generations, Jews have not read the New Testament. I mean, if you went on the Lower East Side in the early 1900s, the New Testament was being given out by various Bible societies in Yiddish as an attempt to convert to Jews. And there are problematic texts vis-a-vis -vis Judaism in the New Testament. So what we really wanted to do, and given everything that AJ said about the extent to which the Jewish to the extent to which the New Testament is so much a part of Jewish history and is such an important part for reconstructing Jewish history and understanding Judaism in the late Second Temple period and a little beyond that, we wanted to create first in the Jewish annotated New Testament and then in this volume which we wrote together, what we like calling a safe New Testament for Jews. In other words, the New Testament which is written about by people who are firmly Jewish, who but nevertheless appreciate the text of the New Testament and are willing to explain it in Jewish terms, in explaining the continuities and some of the discontinuities that it shows uh, that it has with Judaism in the period in which it was written, and thus making the New Testament a book which more Jews will read and in the, these very fractious times, uh, AJ moments ago talked about love of neighbor, where love of neighbor needs to be a much more important value. Part of love and respect for your neighbor is reading their scriptures and understanding their scriptures. Not necessarily agreeing with their scriptures, but understanding them in a sympathetic fashion. Right. Just add to that. Mark and I, we also tend to finish each other's sentences, although since he's in Jerusalem and I'm in Nashville, he tends to get there first. Um, it, it, it's also a matter of not only reading the scriptures as a sense of respect, but then talking with our Christian neighbors about how they interpret those texts. Because in the same way, one cannot read Leviticus and figure out what people are doing in my shul. Um, you can't read 1 Corinthians or the Gospel of John and say, oh, that, therefore, that's exactly what people in the local church are doing as well. So part of our effort has been to interpret for Jews 
here's what the Christian texts say, but also here's how different types of Christians understand those texts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very nice. So for so long, just maybe just one last question here, although I feel like I, I, could, I could ask you for hours here. You know, for um, so many Jews, and, and um, perhaps less so for Christians, but I'm not sure, so many Jews distinguish what they're doing as different from Christianity. They want to actually ensure what they're doing is fundamentally different in many ways. But what can Christians learn by looking at the Jewish approach to biblical texts? And what can Jews learn by understanding the role of Christian theology through their interpretation of the same text? So let me take the first part of that question. And I'm going to answer it by way of an anecdote. Uh, one of the books which I co-edited before the Jewish Annotated New Testament, which actually led to the Jewish Annotated New Testament, was the Jewish Study Bible. And the first edition was published before email was very common. And I actually got a snail mail letter from someone who is Christian who thanked me for the book and said, I never realized that the suffering servant passage namely the main one is found from the end of Isaiah chapter 52 and all of Isaiah ch chapter 53, could be read without having Jesus front and center. And so the main thing that Christians can learn from us in terms of this book, where each chapter really has three parts, what the biblical text, what the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh text meant originally, what it meant in means in Judaism and what it meant in means in Christianity, especially how it was used in the New Testament. Many Christians are not aware or not sufficiently aware of the fact that these texts from the Tanakh, from what they would, Christians would call the Old Testament, had an independent existence before the New Testament was written. And as a result, the first centuries that all of these texts were read, they were read without reference to Jesus. And that is how the Jewish community continues to read these texts. So for the Christian community, I think that is one of the major contributions that this book, how to read the Bible with and without Jesus makes. And again, the most important word in that title is and. Unlike earlier polemical approaches between the Jewish and the Christian community, we are not saying, oh, you must read it this way or you must read it that way. But rather, these are two different ways of reading the text. And we hope that both the Jewish community and the Christian community, using this and, will be able to understand the way that the other community reads the text. So to take the other half of that question is, um, what might Jews learn from this? Um, Jews keep writing to me and saying, I don't understand when my Christian neighbor says, to use Mark's example, that Jesus of Nazareth shows up at the end of Isaiah 52 and all of 53. And I don't understand why um, uh, Christians think that this young woman who's pregnant in Isaiah chapter 7 is actually a prediction of, of a virginal conception. And I don't see where they get original sin, and I don't see where they get the Trinity. And none of that Christian doctrine, which they get from like television or a, a pamphlet left on their doorstep. They're not, not actually talking to real Christians. I don't understand how any of that makes sense. It all seems like nonsense. So the other thing that we want to show is the logic that's in both traditions, the logic that's in the Jewish tradition and the logic that's in the Christian tradition. So that if one looks at 
I'm going to use the Christian term here, Old Testament, with old meaning fabulous, terrific, respect, because I'm old, so old is good, right? So the Christian reads the Old Testament and sees Jesus. So the Jew has to understand how that comes about. If you read the text through Christian lenses, you're going to find him on every page. If you read the text through Jewish lenses, he's not there at all. And when people in my synagogue will suggest, well, they're just reading him in and they're adding to the text. Um, I can say, have you read Genesis Rabbah recently? Um, have you read rabbinic commentary recently? Remember that story about Abraham and his father's idol shop? Not in Genesis. So we're all reading in, we're all interpreting. No text simply stands on its own. As soon as somebody writes a text, it's open to multiple interpretations. And one of the things we have done in our book is to show how the same text has been read by Jews at the same period or across cultures or across time zones in very, very different ways. So where the Christian might see Jesus in the suffering servant, Jews have come up with 10, 12 possible candidates, and there are still some candidates around. So another thing that we can show is the joy of disagreeing on a reading or in Judaism, give me another reading. Tell me another way you can interpret this. And that becomes an invitation to Christians who are looking at a text with a single lens to say, maybe if you looked at it from a different angle, you might see even more in the text. And you can do that and keep all of Christian doctrine intact. Her image of lenses. Yeah. So what we're really suggesting is that a person, that it's useful to have two different lenses, one in your right eye, one in your left eye. And for most people, that would make them dizzy or schizophrenic. And what this book is really about is saying, no, 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 this really can be constructive. But now go to your last question. Okay, so thank you. Thank you. So, so you, since you brought up Old Testament, is this, is this a fair title based upon theological commitments? Or in Christian relations, is this derogatory implying outdated and superseded? And we should do away in that dialogue with referring to uh, Hebrew scriptures or Torah, Tanakh as, as Old Testament? Oh, no, I like the term Old Testament, as long as we're talking about the Christian Bible, part one. If we're talking about Jewish scriptures, then I would prefer Tanakh or Mikra, or to be more specific on the first part, Torah. But I want old to be fabulous, because in antiquity, old, the farther back you got, the better you were. So old does not mean put up on the shelf. Old is like that, you know... Um, like that, that old time rock and roll, right? Um, old is that really, really good stuff on which you have to build. Old good is wine. that good wine, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good wine. Yeah, which actually, just... I'm sorry, good wine is actually a New Testament image, but we we don't have to go there. Yeah, people have tried to find, and this is really something happening in this generation in the last fifty years or so a term which both Jews and Christians can use. And that term usually involves both Jews and Christians losing the terms that they are used to and that are meaningful to them theologically. Mm. Plus, once you choose a single term, you align the very, very significant differences between the Hebrew Tanakh and the Catholic Old Testament. So, uh, I think we're back to using the old terms and to realize that they really do mean different things and each community should really use the term that it is comfortable with. Okay, amazing. So now I really lied because I can't not ask this last question, but we'll really keep it to short answers if we can. Should Jews um, find Jesus to be a role model? If Jews examine the New Testament well, if they examine Jewish history well, should Jesus be or could Jesus be a good role model for Jews? 
Um, I, I think we have plenty in our own tradition so that we don't have to go looking elsewhere, no matter how fine they might be. I mean, I, you know, Gandhi had some good things to say. Martin Luther King Jr. had some splendid things to say. Confucius is, is, is quite intelligent and helpful. But we got our own text. We don't need to go look elsewhere. Um, nor for me is Jesus a role model, although I think he is a splendid teacher. Um, Jesus is single. I believe he's celibate. He's expecting the end of the world as he understood it to break out in his own time. He's separating parents from children. I, I want my kids to find a partner and get married and be happy. Um, so I, I respect enormously a number of his teachings and a number of his other teachings. I'm thinking it might work for somebody else, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah, and I also wonder, and here I'm coming to this as a scholar, predominantly of the Hebrew Bible, if Judaism really is a role model religion. You know, one of the things that is most striking about the Tanakh is that humans are not presented as role models. Even Moses or even Abraham, uh, despite the fact that they are sometimes cleaned up, or David cleaned up in some rabbinic traditions, have some very, very problematic traits. So I would actually contest your question a little bit in terms of the need to look at humans for role models within the Jewish tradition. Amazing, amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, friends. I want to encourage you to check out the Bible with and without Jesus, how Jews and Christians read the same stories differently. Professor Amy Jo Levine, Professor Mark Steve Brettler, and having just written uh, a commentary on the book of, of, of Jonah, uh, I can tell you that that's the first chapter that I'm, I'm about to jump into here, because as I dove into Christian commentaries, I found they deeply enhanced my, my, my own understanding of the book um, and the Jewish commentary as well. And that's only one of the 13 chapters you'll find in here. Highly recommend. Thank you both for your time and your work. And be careful if you're diving into Jonah. That's probably the wrong metaphor to use. <laughs> well, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs>